If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Family and friends, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts chapter 5. Did we have a great Easter or what? I mean, we had some good Easter here. I don't know how the rest of your day was, but man, oh man. It was fantastic. We saw people get saved Sunday morning. People come back to God. People's lives be impacted by the power of the presence of God and the manifestation of his glory here. I love Resurrection Sunday. Of course, you know, we celebrate resurrection every day. And that's what the whole premise of the message was, to understand that you, the very same spirit, everybody say the same spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead, lives, abides, dwells in us, and it quickens and makes alive our mortal bodies. He's there to help us in the, even in our mortality. That's why you can always call on him and always be ready to be lifted up, raised up, go higher, live a greater life. Because he give, comes to give it and give it more abundantly. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It goes brighter, brighter, brighter and brighter. To the full day. Amen. That means every day ought to be getting better. The closer you get to heaven, things ought to get better. Amen. Just because you're getting old don't mean you should lose your joy. Scripture says that even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is being renewed day by day. Amen. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to talk to you about how an alive church affects others. How an alive church affects others. And we're going to start in Acts chapter 5 and verse 12, which says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord. Everybody say one accord. In Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. (laughs) That's a funny verse of scripture to me. Yet none of the rest joined them but they admired them from a distance. And the reason they didn't join them because of what had just happened previously. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? They were like, oh, so I need to be genuine if I'm going to be part of this church. And they were all with one accord. Everybody say accordance. The word accord is listed 12 times in the New Testament. And 10 of those 12 times It's mentioned in the book of Acts. And I want to give you the definition of the word accord, the biblical definition of the word accord. It's beautiful. With one mind, with one accord, with one passion. And in the book of Acts, it helps us understand this uniqueness of the Christian community. The word is homothumadon or homothumadon. I don't know. I'm just giving it a shot here. I don't really know how it's pronounced. It's a compound of two words meaning to rush along and in unison. To rush along and in unison. The image is almost musical. A number of notes are sounded which while different harmonize in pitch and tone as you heard tonight. Except for the bass player. He was just trying to keep up. As the instruments of a great concert on the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. And all it says was, in that accord and that harmony that was going on, there were others who really liked the band, 
but they didn't want to join the band. They liked the music. They didn't want to be a part of the band. Accord. That's one of the effects of an alive church, that it causes people to come together and want to be a part of what's going on. It brings people into one mind, one harmony, one passion. This is what this gathering here is about, that we find commonality in the way that we express our worship to God and the way that we love to eat on the Word and the way that we love our fellowship and the music, all those kinds of things, we come in one accord. And when we're all in one purpose with one cause, then we can really do something dynamic. It's the, you're all here tonight, a musical symphony together. And everybody's got their own flavor and everybody's got, some of you are a banjo some of you are a mandolin. Some of you are a juice harp. You know, juice harp don't make music, but it kind of twangs along. That's for those of you that like to just simply make a joyful noise. But you belong in the band. Some of you are electric guitar. Any electric guitars in the room? Some of you are the beat, the drum. Some of you are the piano. Some of you are the saxophone trumpet. You're smooth like a saxophone. Remember Kenny G? <laughs> Kenny G set a world record years and years ago through circular breathing. He held one note for 45 minutes. Set a record. I was watching a news report on it and they said that Kenny G was afraid to open it up to the public you know, because he was going to play one note for 45 minutes, and he was afraid that the audience would lose interest and get bored. He said, what Kenny G needs to understand is every note he plays is really boring. <laughs> but <laughs> just kidding. Uh, some people like it. All right, let's move forward. Verse 14, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women. Ever say abundance. Abundance is another effect of an alive church. Abundance. They were increasingly added to the Lord. Well, how did they know they're added to the Lord? Because they were coming together. They saw the multitudes continuing to come, continuing to, to gather together, to continuing to connect into, to take their seat in this band. Hallelujah. Verse 15, so they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Wow. These guys are, um, they have a pretty big expectation, don't they? They have this idea, they see what's going on in the church and they, they hear of the miracles, so they think, you know what? We want some of that. Now, we might not want to be part of the band, but we'll come as close as the curb. And lay our sick out there. And so there was an acceptance. Write down acceptance if you're taking notes. There was an acceptance of this ministry. There was an acceptance of, their, of this miracle working power. There was an acceptance of their overflow. The power of the Holy Ghost. And they had it in their hearts that if they just put their sick relatives and loved ones and friends along the roadside, those who could not care for themselves, that if Peter would just walk by, something marvelous would happen. Now, you remember at one time, one lady said, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I know I'll be made whole. I don't know what it was about Peter, but they thought maybe of his shadow. Well, I think I know why they just thought maybe the shadow, because 
of Ananias and Sapphira. They just didn't want to get too close to this guy, but maybe his shadow can do something for us. Acceptance. Verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the... You know what? Great things are happening here. I just want to give a testimony that um, Kat's grandmother, Grandma Cook, and Chelsea's grandmother as well, and Carrie's grandmother as well, Ashley's grandmother as well, they've been coming forward when we have prayer time on Sunday mornings and prayed for her because she got a bad report from the doctor. What was that report? Cancer. Her report was cancer, and she was pretty scared about it, and so that uh, grandma was, and so we prayed together, and, and we just prayed and, and commanded that cancer to leave her body and commanded her to be made whole. Amen. Because we believe that when we come here together, uh, we understand one thing at One Cause Church. We believe that miracles are still happening today. We believe that healing is still being manifested today, that the work of the cross is nowhere near done. But Jesus Christ, if he's still forgiving sins, then he's still healing bodies, and he's still working miracles. And we believe that, and we believe that when we come together, we, we come together corporately, that wonderful things happen in the corporate setting when God's people gather together. It, it all started in the very first, in the beginning of the church. It all started there when they were all together in one place in one accord, and the Holy Ghost fell on them. It seemed like every time they came together like that, something marvelous happened. So we prayed for Grandma, and guess what? Grandma got healed. Had a clean report from the doctor, cancer-free. Yeah. Amen. I had the awesome privilege of praying for a lady today. Uh, somebody in our church had me, called me and asked me, please go pray. They're in a de- desperate situation. She has cancer. Went and prayed for her. And as I'm in there in the room, now this is cool, praying over her, her relatives are there. Some relatives and they're Jehovah's Witnesses. I didn't know that at the time. I'm just praying. I'm commanding this body to receive healing, praying like I only know how to pray. And uh, after I got to meeting her family, one of them made sure to let me know, and everybody in the room know that she's part of the Kingdom Hall, right? So I'm like, oh, cool. So you heard how it's really done then tonight. That's, that's wonderful. And then she asked me, then she asked me, she said, I have a nephew down the hall. Would you go pray for him? He has been diagnosed with cancer they actually sent him home to hospice, and then, but he's back here, and he has a death sentence. They're just waiting for him to die. Would you go pray for him? I thought, really? Are you sure you want me to? You know that you and I do not agree whatsoever. But something about what she heard helped her go, oh, wait a second. Just maybe, maybe, maybe this will work, because don't, they don't believe in healing today. But that guy believes it, so we'll just send him down there. So I prayed over that man with his wife there and told him I believe and it's God's will to heal. I thought it was just a wonderful opportunity yet to see the hand of God. And I'm believing for good reports from them. Amen. Amen. Everybody say authentication. 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 Verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits. And guess what? They were all healed. The gospel was authenticated by demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost. What these guys were saying, they were doing as well. The people were seeing the gospel in action. Verse 17, then the high priest rose up 
and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. Remember, you don't want to be a Sadducee because a Sadducee is just sad, you see. And you don't want to be a Pharisee because a Pharisee is not fair, you see. (laughs) And they were filled with indignation. That just means jealousy. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Hmm. Everybody say agitation. This is an effect of a church that is alive. It agitates Religious people. I like to agitate religious people. <laughs> Not just to agitate them, but maybe agitate that religion right out of them. Some people aren't going to like you. They're not going to like, they don't agree with what you agree with. They don't like our church being here. Some people don't like our church being here. They really don't. And I'm okay with that. Because if you got some people who don't like you, then you're on the side of what Jesus said. Hey, don't marvel. The world hated me first. It will hate you. Mm-hmm. So you got to have some haters in your life. <laughs> if you're going to make any impact, laid their hands on the apostles, put them in prison. Look at 19. Everybody say, but at night. Again, here again, we see God at work at night in the darkness he loves, seems to love to work in dark situations for his people. But, an angel, but at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. Everybody say assistance. See, God is there. He is there to assist you. He's there to help you in times of trouble. As a matter of fact, he's a very present help in time of trouble, the scripture says. And the spirit is there to assist you. He's there to guide you into all truth, to lead you in the right way at all times. Do you know that if you tap into that resource called the Holy Spirit every day of your life, you will never go down the wrong path? And one way to do it is to pray in the spirit. To pray in the spirit. To pray in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Romans 8, 27 talks about the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. We all know verse 28, and we know all things work together for what? For the good of those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. Why? Because the Spirit of God is interceding for you and praying the will of God, and the will of God is good. You can guarantee if you'll just saturate yourself in that language of the Holy Spirit, you'll give yourself more opportunity to find yourself into good things. Because we don't always know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I mean, we can pray scriptures and we can pray what we know to pray, but don't just depend on you to get the job done. Know that there's a helper on the inside of you. Know that there's an inner strength and a mystery that you don't know about. But if you let the Spirit speak, then you'll declare mysteries in in the Spirit. Things you don't know, mysteries, it means the secrets of God. Let known the secrets of God. Man, I want to tap into that more and more. Amen. What treasures is he waiting for us to unlock and to access when we skip over those things and just go for what the earth or what we can do, what the earth can provide and what man's resources can bring? I want the secret things of God. So there's assistant that comes. You know that God has given his angels to be a servants for you 
given his angels to serve you? It's the last time you really thought about that, that God gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, and they are there at your beck and call. Amen. We see a lot of angelic visitations in the early church. A lot of assistance from angels. And this is one of them here. And look what the angel says. Brought them out and said, go stand in the temple. Wait, where were they before they got arrested? They were in the temple. Angel says, go back. Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. In other words... Here's your assignment, gentlemen. Write down assignment. He gave them an assignment, and that assignment was get back to work. Get back in the temple. Keep preaching this word. Because multitudes were coming to Christ. Great things were happening. And remember the disciples said in, in Acts chapter 4, we talked about that, how they said, Lord, look on their threats and grant us boldness to speak the word of God. Look on their threats and grant us boldness. So what he was doing was looking on their threats and saying, get back to work. Keep talking it. Keep declaring these words of life. And look at this. And when they had heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. They put that assignment into action. Early in the morning. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders and the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So the high priest and all the, the chief priests and all the they don't have any idea that the disciples are not in prison anymore. This happened incognito. This happened in secret. This happened at night. Nobody saw it happen. So they're in the temple preaching away, and they said, all right, call for the guys to come out of the prison. So this is what happens. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. The doors are locked, the guards are standing guard, and there's nobody, there's no prisoners. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. Well, sure they did. Everybody say astonishment. astonishment. See, that's what the thing about the enemy. When the things of God are going on, he has no idea what to do about it. He has no, he's continually in a state of wonderment and astonishment. Because he doesn't know the plans of the Lord. Because the scripture says that God, the things that were hidden before, have now been revealed to us. The things that were hidden through the ages. Even the whole plan of the cross, if they had known that they were crucifying the Lord of glory, they wouldn't have done it. It wouldn't have happened. But they didn't know what was going on. Because the enemy doesn't know the secrets of God. He doesn't know the plans of God. No eye has seen nor has ear heard. The things which the Lord has prepared for those who love him. That at one time was a truth. But in the New Testament, the next verse says, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. Those things that no eye could see and no ear could hear. Now, the spirit's letting you in on what God's doing. And there they were, wondering what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest 
asked them. Everybody say audacity. He said, they are standing in the prison, they're mocking, or in the temple, that what they're basically doing is mocking you. They were there yesterday, you came and put them in prison, and now somehow, through some mystery, they're out, and now they're back over there, preaching this message again. And the high priest asked them, look at verse 28, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? Write down this word, avoidance. Did we not strictly ask you not? I see a problem here. That is not the first question I'm going to ask these guys. I'm going to ask them, how did you get out of jail? They completely avoided that, didn't they? They didn't want any answers. They didn't want to hear what they had to say. They already saw the man that had been healed for, uh, after 40 years, 40 years old, laying from his mother's womb, having to be carried to the gate beautiful every day. They, they could not deny it. They said, truly, this is a notable miracle, and everybody knows about it. There's no, there's no way that we can argue against this. So now they're not even going to talk about this miracle, not even going to acknowledge. They're just going to avoid this subject and say, didn't we tell you not to do it? Who do these guys think they are? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Really? How quickly they forget. Again. Look at Matthew 27 for a moment. Matthew chapter 27. In verse 20, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 20, it says this, but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. So when this happened, when Jesus was in his mockery of a trial, and here he is now before Pilate. And Pilate's asking them, what has this man done? I don't see any fault in him. The chief priests and the leaders are telling the crowd what to say. They're shouting it. They're looking for direction from their leaders. And they're shouting to these religious leaders, shouting to the people, tell them you want Barabbas. So they're leading this whole tumult and this whole rioting to get Jesus killed. And verse 25 of that same chapter says, and all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. Well, who told them to say that? The chief priest, the high priest, the scribe, they were all telling them what to say. It's okay, we'll take the blame for it. And now they're standing here before Peter and saying, you're saying his blood be on us. You said that, dude. You asked for that. How quickly you forget. You put the responsibility on yourself. You, you volunteered to, put, to take his blood on you and your children. And when they heard this, oh, sorry, 29. When Peter and the other apostles answered and said, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Everybody say allegiance. We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you murdered by hanging on it. I'm not going to let you get away with this, guys. I'm going to keep telling you this over and over. You did this. It's not something that you can sweep under the rug. 
God raised him up. Him, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. This alive church is affecting people's lives and it is really, really affecting these religious leaders. And when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Anger. That's their only response. Not repent. Not repentance. Even though he said, hey, he did all this so that you could repent and receive forgiveness of sins. And said they just got angry. Because when they don't have any answers, all they can do is give emotions. It's like a baby. Like a little kid. They can't get their way. What do they do? They start throwing a fit. Right? Start manifesting demons. (laughs) Cast those devils out of them. Verse 34, then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Now we might, we're going to read a little bit more about Gamaliel a little uh, little later in in this book, but Gamaliel is one who taught the apostle Paul. This guy was the top-notch man. Paul sat at his feet and learned a lot of things. You might write down assessment. Now watch this. Gamaliel's got sense about him. He's got a head on his shoulders. He's a thinker. And watch, he's a teacher of the law who held respect by all the people and commanded them to, be, to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. So what he's saying is there's been these guys that have come and gone that rose up, and they had a crowd with them, but they died, and guess what? Their whole, their whole belief system fell apart. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. I like Gamaliel here. He gives an honest assessment, doesn't he? Guys, let's figure this out for a moment. These guys, we're going to put this in two categories. This is either men or this is God. Now, it's good if you just chill for a little bit and watch because you don't want to be on the wrong side of this. And they agreed with him. Watch. What did he say? What did he say to them about these men? He said, leave them alone. Keep away from these men. So they agreed with him, and when they had called for the disciples, the apostles, and beaten them, didn't he say, keep away from them, leave them alone? Yeah, we agree. Get them in. They're so furious. They... Yeah, we'll agree with you. After we whip them good, then, then we'll leave them alone, and then we'll, we'll keep away from them. So they beat them. Remember the first time? What happened in chapter four? They threatened them, right? They said, don't go speaking in that name. Now they're going to lay some stripes on them and try to, try to intimidate them. 
They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. This did not work. They beat them and they went, hallelujah. What a great thing to be beat for the gospel. They didn't walk out of there ashamed. Oh, this living Christian life is hard. Right? No, they went out there rejoicing. They beat us for Jesus' name. Oh, what an awesome thing. They didn't go hide. They didn't go lick their wounds. Everybody say affliction. Affliction had come because of what they were doing. These are the effects of a church that's alive. You will endure persecution. And it might be physical affliction, but count it all joy. Paul said, our light affliction. Our light, our light affliction? Really, Paul? Paul's been beaten. He's been beaten five times. Three times by Romans, twice by Jews. What Jesus went through, Paul went through three times. And then he got beat twice by the Jews. And he was shipwrecked twice. And he was imprisoned. He was stoned. And he says, our light afflictions. Man, I think, well, what is mine if yours is light? I'm dancing on cotton, man. I don't know what the heck. I, I feel like I've got it rough sometimes. And you're here telling me this is a light affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory. This is nothing compared to the rewards that are coming, compared to eternal life, compared to seeing Jesus face to face. It's worth every trial. It's worth every beating. It's worth every hardship because this life is here and it's gone. What we're really living for is something that's out there, something that we can't see. We know we're a part of it, but it's not always a right now reality for us. But we know it's greater than what we know. When we shed this tent and we come out into the fullness of life forevermore, this affliction, this light affliction, doesn't even compare to the eternal weight of glory. And the disciples, the apostles, they went out rejoicing in the, verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house. Oh, man, everybody say advancement. They went from the temple, now they're spreading out in people's houses. It's not enough to just go to church on Sundays, apparently, with them. They're having church everywhere all the time. And daily in the temple and every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Just daring them to do anything. You beat us, we get louder. We get happier. You threaten us, we'll preach harder and bolder. I love the spirit of the church. When we come together like this, it helps us be strong because when we go out there, sometimes you can feel like you're all alone in your situation, in your world. And when we gather here together, we remember that we're part of something wonderful, massive, glorious, greater than what we're experiencing out there. And it makes every trial and every hardship worth it because this isn't really what we're living for. The stuff that we're working for, the provision, the shelter, the food, the clothes... Those, those are just things that are helping us move forward toward this great purpose. Someday none of that stuff is going to matter. 
matters is that we be a people. We be a church that is alive. Alive, not just here, out there, that we affect this world with what's in us. Let God work through us. Let the power of the Holy Ghost saturate us and flow through us. I'm expecting more and more that you are the agents of his power in the earth. I'm expecting to hear more and more that you're laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, that you cannot keep that fire shut up. I mean, what good is it if we just stay on fire ourselves and never let the fire fly? Let the fire flow. I mean, at the end of the day, why are we here? Why are we here? Why is One Cause Church here? What is the real reason? What's the most important thing as believers? Why are we here? Is it to, is it to have a good life? To have a safe life? Is it to have that certain car and that certain house and that certain career? Is this, is this really why all those things are good and they're but are they the most important thing? I mean, would we all agree that the most important thing for us, the reason we're here is that we take as many people to heaven with us as we can. Is that, is, I mean, that we want everyone to experience eternal life. Right? right? Your neighbors need to experience eternal life. They, they, they need God above everything. Your coworkers, they need an encounter with God. They need to be born again. Y'all don't get quiet. This is the time to get excited. Don't think about why you can't. Don't just think about, yeah, I should. Huh? But that we do. We are. And we will. What are we living for? Why are you here? How many are we passing up every day? Walking by, having casual conversations when we could have meaningful conversations. Hey, I'm talking to me too. We're all in this thing together. But that's really what's most important, isn't it? That we're so convinced of this message that we can't keep it to ourselves that we really are convinced of the born-again experience, (laughs) that being a Christian really does make a difference. It really is life-changing. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift our hands toward heaven. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we are the body of Christ. We are your church. We are your people. We belong to you. Our lives are not our own. Help us to remember that. We've been bought with a price. We belong to you. Help us, Lord, to surrender to you every day of our lives, to surrender our our will, to surrender our desires, to surrender our our own mouths, God, to say, God, I will be that person for you. I will be that voice to speak for you. 
These hands will be those hands that reach for you. Hallelujah. I will love, Lord, for you. I will, I will be that light. Help us, God, to not be afraid, but to be bold, to be strong, to show, to show the life and the love of God wherever we go. Thank you for those opportunities, God. Thank you for boldness, God. Thank you for helping us to get outside of ourselves and beside ourselves to see and remember the cause that Jesus died for us, and we want to help him get his reward. Thank you for the amazing, amazing opportunities that we have, the amazing privilege that we have to be your church. I thank you, Lord, that you use one cause in such a way, God, that this county, this city will not ever recover from it, God, but will forever be impacted. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.